academia has a way of making you fearful of everything. So just be brave. And yes, it's scary. And yes, you don't know what's on the other side and it's unknown. And yes, you may be critiqued and who cares? This is your life. So pursue your passion. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Academics Mean Business. This is your host, Dr. Lindsay Padilla. Today, we have a special guest. Well, every one of my guests is special, but uh, Chelly holds a special place in my heart uh, because we met locally um, at an event. Um, again, I think he's come up multiple times, but Pat Flynn has a local mastermind and uh, we met in person there. And I'm going to tap into that a little bit um, in this episode with her. And so I won't give too much away. But it, it's a, it was really cool to meet her because um, I'm meeting her or I met her at a very a pivotal point in like a big decision that she was making. So she uh, was going to take her therapy, her therapist test, her licensing um, test to be a therapist. And um I'm not going to give away what happens, but essentially she was looking for potentially starting a business and doing something outside of the typical therapy uh, space. And she really was and is an entrepreneur and has been for a long time. So she sold jewelry actually to pay for her PhD program. And um, we talk a little bit about the struggles of her PhD program and the difficulty she had in finishing. Um, and what that did to her, like self-esteem wise. And I know we've we have mentioned that on this show, the the mental health issues around um, graduate work. Right. And so that actually is driving one of her goals that she currently has, which is to really actually help Latina women finish Ph.D. programs. So you're going to love this episode. She is fantastic. And I really am so excited to see what she does with her business and with the multiple businesses that she's a part of because she is a go-getter and she is definitely here to make an impact. And I'm just really honored that she decided to share with us where she's at right now and what she's up to. Um, and if you uh, love this conversation as much as I do, uh, please, please, please uh, join us in the Academics Mean Business community so we can have a conversation about it. All right. So without a further ado, we have Dr. Araceli Lopez Arenas. All right, everybody. I am so excited to welcome a friend, someone who is local. And you guys all know that I love having my local meetups um, and my people that I get to meet in person because it is just fun. So we have Dr. Araceli Lopez Arenas. Uh, so excited to have you on today. Thank you for coming. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yay. So Dr. Chelly and I met at an event, <laughs> which is um, <laughs> a pattern on this show. Um, we actually met at, um, it was the same event that I met uh, Gertrude at, which is the Pat Flynn meetup locally in San Diego. And I believe that was in like April, I think. Yeah, it was uh, April or May, mm. probably. Yeah. And it was a really cool moment because I it was my first time going. And so I got to say a little bit about what I did, I believe. And then you were going through this like major transition and actually asked a question of the group. And so the little meetup, it's kind of this informal meetup situation where Pat Flynn is kind of 
orchestrating it and kind of guiding it. But essentially, you can come and ask a question like, oh, I'm thinking of doing this. Does anyone have any ideas? That kind of thing. And you were at a very pivotal point. Um, and, and I'd love to, you know, obviously, we'll definitely get into that. But it was such a cool moment because I was like, oh, my gosh here's an academic and she's making this leap. And I like, I get you girl. I'm like looking at you and I'm like, yes, like I hope you go and do this, your new business because it's amazing. So it's really cool to have you on the podcast because I can't wait for you to share your story with everyone. Thanks. Yeah, I think you captured it accurately. So I'd been going to that group for, for a few months and, you know, I've, I've always felt out of place mm. because I've, come out of being in academia and then I'm in this entrepreneurial space. Academics don't really get what I'm doing. Yep. They think I'm crazy. They're like, what are you doing? Oh my gosh. And then entrepreneurs are, what do you mean? You have a doctorate mm. and you're wanting to be a psychologist. So that was a very pivotal point. And it's really interesting because I've been working on launching a coaching business, but I've been, I've been at this point of um, getting my, so I have the doctorate, but then working on the license and I can mm -hmm. share more about those distinctions. Mm -hmm. And I was at this pivotal point of what the heck do I do? Nobody gets it. And the feedback that I was getting was great. And they didn't get it. The that I just couldn't. Yeah. yeah. And then when I heard you speak, I was like, Oh my God, where have you been? Can we be best friends? Because you totally get what I'm saying. Yes. <laughs> where have you been? <laughs> and we recently spent what, like three hours uh, over, you know, hanging out over margaritas and chatting business and stuff, which has been really refreshing and fun as well, because yeah, <laughs> we can go from totally. like, what's your business page going to be called to you know, the, the adjunct system is terrible and people are losing classes <laughs> and it's yes. just like, this. It, it just like works. I'm like, yay, someone who is both <laughs> just like me. Yes. Yes, totally. And with, you know, Rachel, which is exactly. super awesome. Got to give her a shout out. We'll get her on. <laughs> She's just got to start a business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she teaches at the college that I can see from my window right now. So, um, yeah. So she was a great meetup to have her husband actually, well, we got to get him on that too. Uh, or future husband, oh, not yeah, married yeah. yet, but mm -hmm. he he's dipping in, in the entrepreneur kind of has a business on the side thing. So she's trying to convince him. So now I'm going to basically <laughs> tell her or we'll tag him in this episode or something. So then he has to listen. It's a special show. Yeah, out. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So so let's start with kind of, yeah, your academic background. What did you study? What was your research in? Um, a little bit about that piece of the journey. And I know we've talked, you know, at length about your experience in your doctorate program. So we can talk about that too. But yeah, mm -hmm. give us a little bit about your academic background first. Yeah. So it all started with me being a first generation college student. You know, I'm uh, Latina parents or immigrants from Mexico. And I was really pushed to go to school. And my mom said, be a professional. I don't care what you do, but be a professional. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I started, you know, defying Latino gender norms and going to college and being independent and all that kind of stuff. So my journey started going to UC Irvine. That's where I got my undergrad in psychology. And I also, studied Chicano Latino studies mm. and educational studies and uh, lots of things that I went through. Like those were really, I call myself an educational nomad mm. because I've sought opportunities and I also call it the parallel migration. So my parents came from Mexico to the U.S. for better opportunities for themselves. 
And I did the same in crossing state borders. So mm. I went to UC Irvine. From there, I went to uh, Mexico City, went to UNAM and uh, studied there mm. for a semester. I went to Washington State University for a research program for the summer. And then I also did a policy internship um, over in Washington, D.C. Came back and, you know, in undergrad, I was like, wow, our mental health system's really messed up. Mm. And uh, I'm bilingual, bicultural. I need to serve my community. Mm-hmm. So it's when I joke that I, I learned that, you know, my family wasn't crazy. It's cultural stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And so that really intrigued me into Latino mental health. And that was what I pursued. I wasn't sure about the PhD. I was mentored into going straight after undergrad, but I wasn't sure. So I worked for two years at a ah. local nonprofit. And there I was introduced to public health. I was like, whoa, what is this public health stuff? And I was, and then I learned about promotores de salud or community health workers. And there's over 200 different titles um, for the work that they do worldwide. Um, and I was hired on to, I applied for a promotora position, but I had no idea what it was. I was like, club promoter? What, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but because I had the bachelor's, they hired me as, on as a health educator. And I was tasked with um, developing a mental health program called Es Difícil Ser Mujer, Is It Difficult Being a Woman? Mm-hmm. And um, really, that's where the journey started. So I was uh, brought on to, you know, develop the curriculum, take the manual, implement it, teach the promotoras about the curriculum, and for them to deliver it to the community. Because Latinos are widely underserved in mental health, mm-hmm. and this was a culturally appropriate health education treatment. And I was in that job for two years, and what I noticed was that the women were coming in, and mainly, they were all Spanish-speaking, they were mainly um, immigrant, uh, low culturation to the U.S., and a lot of them were coming in with a lot of depression. Mm. And... You know, we use adult learning theory and um, really made it more interactive where we were teaching these these concepts that we talked about. What is depression? Why do we get depressed? What are some um, cultural factors? You know, your role as a Latina. Mm-hmm. And, um, and what I found was that they were getting better. So their depression was decreasing through some of the instruments that we had that we were measuring the depression and just physically, like just observation, I could see the transformation Mm. in a seven week course. So we meeting once a week, two hours at a time. But then when we looked at the pre and post tests, the tests showed that they were doing worse. I was like, what the heck, how does this make sense? And there was no research to support it. Ah. And yeah. So that's when I was, I was still toying with the idea of, you know, being a, a licensed psychologist, mm-hmm. uh, being a culturally sensitive, you know, bilingual, bicultural psychologist to serve this population. And so that's when I was I was debating between do I get the doctorate? Do I get the master's in public health? You know, what do I do? And that's when I learned about a program. Um, and so I went to a conference where I met, you know, a, a professor there and she's like, oh, we have both degrees. And I was like, oh, that's that's amazing. And so they, I got a scholarship. I got a diversity nice. fellowship. So I really couldn't say mm. no. 
that's kind of how they get you. Mm -hmm. And uh, (laughs) so I was in a small town, uh, rural Texas, and I decided that my dissertation was going to be to test this curriculum because Mm. there's only one published study that talks about how it improves depression among Latinas, but this was conducted in Mexico City. Mm. And so my goal was to test it out here in the US um, and give it the validation that, you know, it needs that it it is evidence based. Mm -hmm. Um, So that kind of set me off into this journey of the doctorate and the master's in public health. Very cool. So your research was in that. Do you want to share with us findings if you (laughs) work differently? Okay. Yeah, so totally. So I definitely want to publish it. But you know, I was just so burnt out by it. (laughs) I haven't done that yet. As many of your never uh, heard of that before. (laughs) (laughs) You must be the first. (laughs) I know, right? So yeah, so basically, the intervention worked. So Mm. it was a two parter. So one was the question, uh, the the first project, um, not the dissertation was Um, whether we can train promotores or community health workers to deliver mental health interventions Ah, mm -hmm. and um, to more of a psycho ed. Mm -hmm. And yes, that worked. And then the second, the actual dissertation was, does this intervention work? So I did a, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking out on the design (laughs) and all that. But anyway, but like generally, if you want to. Generally, People that went through the training, the education series got better. So awesome. it showed improvement in depression scores. And then I want to evaluate all the, I want to, you know, do all the, the recordings because there's definitely some qualitative oh, stuff there. Yeah. Yeah. So I could see like improved self-esteem, better mm-hmm. communication with family. Um, yeah. So the intervention works. So awesome. I need to publish this to further support in the literature for this program. Very cool. So where did kind of the entrepreneur like side of you come out? Um, Because that's definitely, you know, it's different for different guests, but I'm curious when you started to think about, okay, what is it like to make money on the side? Like what was going on in your life that made you make that decision and see if, you know, just, I like tracing that path of like, you know, where you are now, what your business structure looks like, but going back to like when that started and um, how that fit into your life and your, you know, the choice to become an academic and then to become a therapist, uh, what that looked like. Yeah. You know, I never really knew I was an entrepreneur, but I guess everybody's known all along except me. (laughs) (laughs) So actually where I can pinpoint that it actually started was with my jewelry business. Mm. So I have a jewelry business called Sweet Generis Jewelry. Um, It means unique, one of a kind, a class of its own. And it was in 2005 when I just started tinkering with it. Mm. And, you know, I've always wanted a creative outlet and I tried painting, I tried drawing, I tried all sorts of things and I sucked. And (laughs) I went to like Joanne's, I got a little kit and turns out I was good at it. Mm. And then one of my friends said, Hey, have you thought about selling this? And I was like, no, not really. So out of like a jewelry box that cost me eight bucks, I made a hundred bucks. Nice. I was like, whoa, okay. 
So then it actually really started when I went to graduate school because um, I needed money. So I moved to Texas and I didn't really have a lot of money to move. Mm. And so my coworkers were like, hey, why don't you just do a little jewelry party during lunch? And, you know, that can get you over there. Mm. And so I started fundraising um, using the jewelry and that got me to Texas. And then throughout graduate school, I had professors that would have me like fix their necklaces or I had friends <laughs> that, you know, commissioned me to make a jewelry piece for mm. a family member, Mother's Day, Christmas. And it was always there. And I remember I was sitting at this Panera type of place. It was a, a, a you know, cafe. And it was at a really low point in my graduate program where I was super depressed and I was already too far in. And I couldn't go back. And I, I remember joking with my friends. We always had these dreams, right? Mm. And I was like, you know, I just want to quit. And I want to go sell jewelry by the mm. beach, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And and so that, it just stood there. You know, I kept going through my program. And it wasn't until I was forced to be an entrepreneur. I I didn't have a choice. So I really struggled to finish my program. Um, you know, it, that that's a whole other story. But basically, I lost, I didn't have any more funding. Mm -hmm. So I had finished. So after Texas, I went to Hawaii for my internship. And then I came back to San Diego. And I faced what I never thought I would ever face. I was unemployed for six months. Mm -hmm. Um, because I didn't match for my postdoc because mm. my dissertation wasn't done. Yep, yep. And so, and then I was struggling to pay tuition so I could stay enrolled so that mm. I could graduate. So and mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was just this like rat race. And coming back to San Diego, I was faced with the harsh reality that I was overqualified. Mm. So nobody wanted to hire mm. me. And I was, but I was like, what do you mean? I have a master's in public health. I'm finishing a doctorate. I'm bilingual and bicultural. Like mm. I, I was under the impression that I would have these jobs like mm. throwing themselves at me. Then student loans started kicking in. Um, they wanted to get paid, paid. And so it was at this point where I couldn't even get like a data analysis or data entry, mm. like entry levels, like I'll do whatever, you know, just I need something. And it was a an old supervisor that said, hey, I passed your CV around and they're saying that you're overqualified. And I got so mad. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to be a victim anymore because I, I really fell into that victim mentality. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? F y'all. I'm just going to do whatever. And so I thought, well, what is it that I know how to do? What can I do? And I was like, duh, the jewelry. And mm. so... You know, I, I thought back to that moment where I said, all I want to do is sell jewelry. And so I gathered enough money, went down to my local business office, paid the money to register the name mm -hmm. and, you know, put out my little ad. You know, you have to do your ad for like two weeks or something like that. And I sold enough jewelry just to, to get that. Um, and so really, it was like the best thing that really ever happened to me now that I reflect back because I was forced to create my own business because yep. I'm like, I felt abandoned by the institution and, you know, this career that I pursued that mm -hmm. I dedicated and I was just thrown out and nobody was helping. I didn't have any mentors. Mm 
the people that I reached out, they weren't helping. So I was like, fuck y'all, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm just going to do this thing. And so I started doing farmer's markets uh, locally. That's actually where I met uh, Rachel. Mm-hmm. And I had my little sign up that said, your purchase supports my doctorate in counseling psychology. And I remember I was, I was embarrassed and, you know, you go through all these different emotions, mm-hmm. this mindset, right? When you're mm-hmm. deviating from your academic career. Mm-hmm. And that's why I assumed a, a different name. Also, I went with Dr. Chelly. Ah. Um, yeah, because I was kind of hiding it. Mm-hmm. And what I found was that people loved the story and they mm-hmm. were like, well, they love the jewelry, but they're like, oh my gosh, I love your story. So that's, that's really where, where it started. And it was so amazing because I got to do different farmer's markets. I got to meet so many different people, so many different connections. And really, it re-empowered me. And it was this process of self-discovery mm. and knowing that I'm creative, I'm, I take action. Mm. And, um, and it, it was so different that people would appreciate your jewelry I remember one time somebody came back the next day and and I was like, oh my God, she's going to tell me that it broke or she didn't like it. And she came back and she was just saying, oh my gosh, I love your jewelry. My, my mom loved it. She won't take off the Aww. bracelet. And it was so different than academia, you know, with our drafts that mm. everything always gets sent back. Mm. It's always something. It's all about it's, the critique. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's never mm-hmm. good enough. Mm. And I just got tired of not feeling good enough. And so the jewelry was really like the opening to this whole new world that, you know, now I'm starting a coaching business from the bit, from the jewelry. I started a a scholarship called funded P H U N D E D. And it's a play on, on PhD and it's to help first generation doctorate level students in the mental health field that are addressing the health disparities of underserved populations, Mm. because there's this cycle of, you know, I'm realizing that why there's a service gap, it's because we don't have enough people um, finishing their degrees. And that's when I met you was that I developed this, this coaching business called Ganas and Go. And one of the arms of it is that I want to help other Latinas finish their doctorate degrees Mm. because I don't want anybody to ever feel the way that I did through this process. And if, you know, a small scholarship, if $1,500 can get you to graduate, let's do that. So that really set out the journey into coaching and to podcasting and, you know, I don't know what's coming my way, but <laughs> I, <love laughs> I, I want to say to answer your question is, you know, I was kind of forced into it, sure. but now I'm really grateful that I was. Mm. Okay. There's so much in this. I know. <laughs> like, first I know. Of all, I did a lot. Um, <laughs> one I thing I wanted to point out as she was talking is um, she made me a bracelet and it says academics mean business on it. And it's a, it was a stamp bracelet and it's my first like gift as it relates to my podcast. So, and I'm wearing it right now. And it came during a week where I, I don't know, I go up and down about like what I'm doing with this podcast and, and like, you know, what I'm doing in business and, uh, cause I'm running my own business. Right. And this is like a second thing for me. And so I was, it was an interesting week and it came at the perfect time. So I love the idea that jewelry or things like Things that we create or ways that we just can be by being ourselves can actually inspire other people. So, so much of, you know, what your story 
um, what I love about it is like you deciding like, oh, I don't have to basically play the game that the institution is forcing me to play that basically has rigged, like I'm set up Mm -hmm. to lose (laughs) and fail. And so I'm not going to play that way. And I have to, I'm going to go this other direction and do something that um, is good for other people and is like outside. And I have control. Like what I heard in your story was like, you were taking control away from an institution that really has control over us. And I think it's you know, arguably the worst when we're grad students, but like it, it doesn't change too much when you're a professor. It definitely is pretty bad when you're a part-time teacher and you have no power. And I'm, that's why I'm so grateful for you coming on the show and, and, sh- and sharing this background and, and this story, because I think um, it is inspiring to even think a lot of, you know, a lot of my guests have started coaching businesses and things like that, which, like I've said before, has very little startup. But there is something really cool about making a physical product that I don't think I've really represented on this show. So like you also Mm. represent this creative energy. Like we're not just books and research and teaching and learning. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're complex, holistic beings that are creative too. And so you, you know, taking matters into your own hands and being like, I'm going to create something and, um, you know, reap the benefits from it. But part of me also here is too, like when you put out really cool things for people, you know, they love it. And like that feeds you. you totally. And I think it was just a, a point where I was so beat down mm-hmm. and, you know, a lot of people don't talk about this and I, and no. I feel that it's my mission to, in being authentic is to really give a name to the stuff that's mm-hmm. happening. And there's so many of us that get depressed. I know that some of your, um, yeah. interviewees yep. have talked about that, but we, we skirt around it mm. and we don't really name it is that, mm. you know, and there's this, so there's two things that came up and is that, as a grad student, we're really scared and we have all these hoops that we have to jump through mm-hmm. that and this constant pressure, this constant invalidation or this constant, it's not good enough, do better. It creates this um, academic PTSD. And mm-hmm. I heard one of your um, interviewees, she called it something else. But when I, when I mentioned academic PTSD, people are like, wow, like, Yes, that mm-hmm. that's, you know, and it's not in our diagnostic manual, you know, no. <laughs> um, but it's this constant pressure. And I remember when I, you know, I was paralyzed, I mm. could not even look at a word document and that little blinker just, mm. you know, with on a blank page caused so much distress, so much anxiety. And I was really depressed because I, I say that this whole experience you're slave to the signature, you know, mm. and especially in mm. a clinical or counseling program where you're accruing hours and there's so many different steps that for every practicum at the end, you need a signature. And if there's anything happening there, you kind of have to stay quiet. Wow. Um, and in Spanish, we say, bonita, calladita te ves más bonita. So you look prettier when you're quiet. Mm. And you kind of have to go through this process. And so I was so disempowered coming out of this. And I started my career super excited, wanting to make a difference. Mm. I was one of the top students, you know, coming in, a very promising student. I was told, you know, I was very promising. I started publishing right away. Mm. 
Um, I was, you know, applying for fellowships and then I was like the last one in my cohort to finish. Mm. And, you know, that does a number to you. And so when I came back after not matching for my postdoc, um, not being able to finish, not feeling very supportive and not saying this to feel, you know, I'm a victim. I also take responsibility Mm. for some parts of it, but the depression was really there Mm -hmm. and the jewelry was really a saving grace because Mm -hmm. it was like, here I am creating a product, a tangible thing that doesn't need further changing. It's perfect as it is, Mm -hmm. or it's imperfections are perfect. It's imperfections is, is what makes it unique. And here I have people that are loving it and they mm. want to pay me for it. Like mm-hmm. what? <laughs> what a freaking concept. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I just deviated, but I get really no, passionate about No, you are on track, this. girl. <laughs> you are so on track. <laughs> I'm just tired of being silenced. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just tired of so, I see so many people, so many powerful women women of color that we go into being into academia because we want to make a difference Mm, mm -hmm. and it's the selflessness. And then the academic institution, you know, some of us feel like we're chewed up and spit out Mm. and we have nothing to show for it. Mm -hmm. And once you fall off the track, quote unquote, then there's really no support there for you. And that's where mm. I felt that when I first started, I was, you know, I got all the scholarships I applied to. I got into all the programs I applied to. Every job that I applied to, I got it. And then it just stopped. Mm. And then it's like, whoa, hold on. I'm not prepared for this. And so through this journey, I've been able to, you know, I learned a lot about vulnerability and authenticity, mm. um, and through that process, I was re-empowered. And now that's what I want to do with my coaching business is I want to re-empower people. And that's why I love what you're doing. Like, mm. oh my gosh, we so need you because you're showing this alternative way of mm. being an academic, but also we have to take care of ourselves too. Yes. You know, we have to get paid. We want, we need to live the lifestyle that we want to live. Yep. Doesn't mean it has to be extravagant, but we need to be able to take care of ourselves to be mm-hmm. able to take care of others. Mm. So that's why I love what you do and, you know, validating my experience. So that yeah. was like the best day when I met you. So Aww. thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, it goes both ways because I was watching you talk about this coaching business in front of a room of entrepreneurs you know, and I knew what academia does to people about how it chews people up, spits them out. And like, yeah, if you're a marginal marginalized group, it, you know, it's worse. And so Mm -hmm. I'm just like, oh my gosh. And like, when I think about how many people drop out of programs and Mm -hmm. sometimes it's the right move, but the emotional burden of making that decision with the, I know Masha's uh, interview, it was an early interview and we'll link to it, but she, she did, you know, drop out and didn't finish. And her episode was about that um, decision. And and that's, I think, the key, too, is like there's no institutional support for any sort of, yeah, the discussion of mental health of grad students and Mm -hmm. then or folks on the tenure track or in tenure as well. I mean, it's like it's not like everyone like all these people have it easy, but like for grad students, I think 
it's kind of just this, you're in a very vulnerable, you use the word vulnerability, like you're in a very vulnerable position Mm -hmm. um, to all these people in positions of power. And you're you're continuously asking for validation over and over. And that's the only way to go to the next step. And so at some point, if some of those things don't work out, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's an identity crisis. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's an identity thing. It's a questioning of, you know, are you capable? Are you enough? It was like the underpinning, right? Like, and so um, we don't support people through making those decisions. And um, I think it was Christie's episode where we talked a lot about quitlet and mm-hmm. leaving academia and not so much. Well, I think it's a little bit about leaving grad school too, but the idea of publicly declaring like I'm quitting because it failed me um, right. and I didn't fail, but it, the system failed me. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think that's like the key. It's not these individuals can't cut it. It's wow. We probably set up a system that isn't working for people in today's like society, like in our culture. And so that's a big part of it. And so we're basically putting people through this, this thing. And it's like, yeah, it's a survival problem. And, um, you know, depending on your resources and your, you know, all of that, like, how are you, are you going to make it through or not? And the fact that mm-hmm. so many people drop out yeah. and that, you know, yeah. And then so many folks of color aren't even represented in faculty. And we're looking back and we're like, oh, well, we can trace this to like graduate programs and who's finishing. And and so I think your work is just so important and it's going to have such an impact on people because I'm, I feel like there's a trend at least with, social media and, you know, access to information online that people are starting to ask for help. That's mm-hmm. another theme in right. the podcast of like, we don't tend to ask for help as academics. It's kind of like, oh, well, if you can't cut it, or it feels like yeah. that. if you can't cut it, then you're supposed to suffer in silence, like you right. kind of brought up. And so um, anyways, yeah. So I think I think what you're what you're doing is just going to help so many people and you're you're solving a real problem. And and I say that over and over on this podcast too. being an entrepreneur, you can look out in the world and say, this is a problem and I'm going to, you know, basically create a business that has a solution. And Mm -hmm. like you said, I can get paid for it. And that's a good (laughs) thing. And then it's rewarding and it's not, (laughs) um, you know, who to thought, right? Right. And, you know, you mentioned something about the social media. Mm. And, you know, what I'm about to say, you know, the fear, like I'm noticing my thoughts, and it's like, Mm. oh, man, are people going to say something about this? But it's just, I'm so sick and tired of these conversations, in the sense that the oppression is still happening. So there's two things that, Mm. you know, even for for people of color, we think that the oppression is coming from the white man. You know, that's what I was mm. prepared for. Mm. But actually, the oppression is coming from your own ethnic group, yeah. the people that you think impression. exactly, yeah. mm. exactly. And as a first generation, I'm like, what is this? Like, huh? Like, I don't get this. Wait, what? I wasn't prepared mm-hmm. for this. And then people internalize what's, what is a systemic issue. Yeah. And um, there was another point about, connect, I was having this discussion, I've had this quite a few times, where it's relating it to the Me Too movement. Ah. You know, people speaking out about sexual assault and all these other things, you know, that people have been in silence, but there's also this oppression and this, yep. you know, this academic environment. And, you know, I've been so afraid of sharing this because it's like, oh, what kind of backlash am I going to get? What are people going to say about me? You know, but I just think that it's time 
to speak out that this is happening and it needs to stop because it's hurting so many people. Mm. And that's just not that that's not cool, man. <laughs> you know, that right? that's that's all I can say is that so many people are getting hurt through this process and then mm. there's no resource or there's limited resources to help them through it. Mm, to and help them deal with it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so asking for help is a key. Um mm. Yeah, definitely asking for help and and naming it, you know, naming it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting that you're talking about it in this way, because it's also bringing up for me as a sociologist. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like we study the structures. Right. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, getting into. Yeah. Getting into my first apart, like some of my first apartments and recognizing, you know, the political, whether it's micro macro, they're both happening at the same time. But like the things that were basically happening in departments and the way I saw people behaving. And I'm like, wait, you guys are reading the same stuff I am. Like, why are we, wait, we're doing it this to each other. And it's Mm -hmm. this interesting thing about the academic as a, you know, knowledgeable citizen who, uh, you know, analyzes the status quo and like, and, you know, well, I recognize that people are on a spectrum when it comes to obviously like, certain social issues and stuff like that. But I, it was kind of a, um, and I don't know if it was like the department that I was in too, but I like when I got out into the job world and I, and I got some of my first, you know, gigs, I was like, Oh, like not everyone thinks like me and like how my department in which I was trained as like a theory, like the theory that I studied and what I believed about pedagogy and like, and some of it was pretty radical. And so I go to these other places. I was like, Oh, people are, you know, all like oppressive. <laughs> and like, I thought we all like read the same books, you know, right. and and it's funny, because there's a major one of the most famous, like, they call him like the, you know, best male feminist, whatever academic, I don't whatever, he's carrying some title, but he Michael Kimmel, who is a renowned sociologist who did a lot of study on masculinity. And I used to share his text in my class all the time, um, homophobia as masculinity, which is like, was an amazing mm. text. And anyways, he's, uh, he is basically under fire right now for sexual harassment. Mm. And I'm just sitting here going, Oh, shit. Like, <laughs> of, of, and, and, you know, I'm following it closely. And he basically was get, supposed to get a distinguished award from ASA this year. And he turned it down and he said, because of the rumors happening online with this thing. And so anyways, without getting too much into it, it was it's kind of one of those moments when you're like, oh, yeah, like we're all a part of, you know, the patriarchal white supremacist, like, you know, capitalist thi- like structure. So we can't escape that. That's actually in our day to day experience. And it's in our wider structural institutions. And so even people that study that there's no getting out of it. Like mm-hmm. it is just the air we breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, as a white female, same thing. Like I'm still in that every day and I'm not outside of it just because I've taken some classes and I've written some papers, which is, you know, an interesting thing to learn as a grad student, obviously, and going out into the world and like performing it. But um, yeah, I think what you're, you know, what you're bringing up is like a very real um conversation that I don't know enough academics talk about like they want to believe that I think you know it's similar to privilege right like oh you know if then I'm ahead then it's because I played the game right right and Mm -hmm. um and so if I critique 
the game, then it doesn't mean I'm good enough. And so the people that are sitting at the top of this, who are the well-published, you know, famous professors, if you will, or famous academics, if if that's a thing, but these Mm -hmm. renowned people, celebrity um, academics, like celebrity (laughs) academics. Yeah. If you're that person and then the system is getting critiqued, then that means that you like cheated it. Right. Or you got ahead in some way. And Mm -hmm. No one wants to believe that because what does that say about them? And so I think even you bringing up the oppression that's happening within the institution is, oh yeah, what does that say about us, you know, if we participate in it? Yeah. And I took myself out, you know, yeah. I just, <laughs> peace. <laughs> uh, and, and there is some grief and loss to that. You know, sure. I still struggle with that. I, I see some of the, you know, my peers and where they're mm. at and it's like, oh man, had I, done that. And at the same time, I'm like, this is way more exciting. (laughs) Right. Uh, Depending on grants, you know, a lifestyle, Mm. depending on grants that just, you know, that there's so much more. And then looking at the entrepreneurs and looking at the businesses. And so what they're able to do and, you know, in developing, and that's why I wanted to tie a scholarship to sure. actually my scholarship is tied to everything that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, the intent I'm still, I still need to make it like a 501 C or whatnot. Um, <laughs> whatever that, yeah, to make it, I still need step. to make it official, but I created a mm-hmm. website. So <laughs> boom, that's official. In yeah, my that's book. official. It's a website. <laughs> so I'm still exploring the legalities of all of that. Yeah. But I, I think that it's, if I can help somebody cross mm. over then mm. that's, I'm, you know, that that's makes me happy. That's the key. And how can I, everything that I'm doing is how do I tie it back to what I set out to do, which yeah. is improving the mental Where you health came from exactly. What you believe in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about so many of my guests too, because, and that's what's so cool about entrepreneurship. It's like taking control again is coming up for me. And it's mm-hmm. like, being like, oh, yeah, if I run a business, I get to decide how the resources are being used and spent. And so much of my academic career, yeah, is, oh, you don't want to fund this thing? I can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, sitting at the negotiation table for my union, like, oh, I can beg for like a 1% raise and they can sit there and tell me we don't deserve it. I mean, it's just such a tough, like, you know, almost impossible conversation. And so, then it's like, oh, I can start a business and sell what I know about the world or my experience and help people, right? Like mm-hmm. solve. Right. Yeah. And so many of my guests solve real problems where the institution is failing people. And that's what you're doing is you can you you experienced it and then you can actually aid others and help them get through something that was really difficult for you and and do it in a way that is sustainable for you and, um, you know, your life but then is helping people like, it's almost like, whoa, duh. (laughs) Like, oh my gosh, like, why didn't I think of this sooner? (laughs) I know. And now I think like, man, what if I had like discovered this while I was in graduate school? Mm. Like that Mm would have been so cool to do. You kind of did. But what if you had support knowing that? Yeah, you weren't some, yeah, nothing was wrong with you for going that route to make it work. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. It could have been easier probably is, is probably another yeah, I think that I, I, well, one, I needed to go through this journey and I've mm, also done a lot true. of personal development stuff, yeah. um, you know, that has really led me to this journey and I actually feel so free and, mm. and that's actually what I always wanted was this freedom to do what I want. 
Um, didn't realize academia was so limiting in that way. Mm. Um, and so I, I just got a flashback to that moment when I was sitting in my tent and my mom was with me. She's been, so she's my research assistant. Mm, <laughs> I'll give her nice. a shout out. Nice. Um, and then when I started doing the jewelry, you know, she supports me unconditionally. And mm. I just sat down and looked at the booth and it was so beautiful inside mm. and people commented like, they're like, wow, this is so nice. And I was like, yep, I created this. This, mm. this is my creation. And that was so cool to be able to do that. And now I want to do that for mental health. And so how can we address the mental health? Because there's a definite definite need yeah. to address mental health and access to mental health is such a privilege. Mm-hmm. And even if you have insurance, you know, there's not enough providers. And so yeah. there's not enough providers because many of us aren't graduating and many of us aren't getting licensed. Mm-hmm. And so how can I open up that pipeline? Um, yeah. How can I open up that gate so that everybody has access to mental health care so that it's not just a privilege? Yeah, you know? I love it. So let's talk a little bit about, yeah, where you're at right now. So, you know, fill people in on what you're doing, um, you know, in your day to day. And then maybe we can talk a little bit about your coaching business mm-hmm. and what you're you're thinking of going into and you're definitely still running your jewelry business as well. Right. So yeah. Tell us a little bit about your, um, yeah. What business looks like for you right now? Yeah. So for, for four years, actually I've been underemployed, Mm. um, because of this, I'm kind of stuck in this bracket of, I have the doctorate, so I am doctor, but I'm not a licensed psychologist yet, uh, Mm um, because I have to pass the national exam and the California exam. And so, and then I took the, I took it back in February and didn't pass. And I was like, of course I didn't. Cause I said, I wanted to write a book about this. So of course mm-hmm. not, <laughs> but actually it was very free part of the journey. I know. <laughs> so it's, it's this bracket of, yeah, at least in California, there aren't really a lot of opportunities. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've been working for a, a major hospital here. Um, so I just got a full-time job started back in June And so I've been doing full time. It's been a steep learning curve um, in that (laughs) position. And so now I'm at a point where, so I I had to let everything go. I just put everything on pause. And now that Mm -hmm. I feel that I'm, I've got a hold on what I'm doing. um, And so now I came up with these bracelets, right? So you're one of the first Mm -hmm. ones that I, that I made. I I was like, I got a new (laughs) toy. I have to share this. (laughs) I will do. A, I will definitely do a photo in the show notes awesome. so everyone can see it. Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm, I'm actually taking action and working on the jewelry because that's still something that I'm very passionate about, and the coaching business because mm-hmm. I will, and I'm still working on getting licensed. But I think I want my business to be more stable mm-hmm. um, because that has more return on investment. Sure. On the immediate side. So I'm working on developing. So I, you know, working, I got a coach and I'm working with a coach and, um, as a psychologist, you know, before it'd be like, you know, how dare you, you know, this whole coaching Mm. thing, you know, Mm -hmm. I was raised, you know, in academic life to look down on coaches. And now I really see the value. I see the distinction very clearly Mm -hmm. and I see the value of it. Um, 
And so I want to use my clinical training. How can I use my clinical training and all my doctorate level training to integrate the jewelry and the coaching Mm. and, you know, empowering people and, you know, people who are in this space of that position, you know, when I met you, like I was at this pivotal Mm. point and it led to transformation. And so how can I help people transform? And so Mm. um, I started uh, this weekend actually is when I started creating this new jewelry line, getting ready for Christmas, which is a set of inspirational bracelets that will motivate people towards their goal. And I'll be posting that too. So if people go to my, my website or my Facebook page, they'll be able to see that. Oh, perfect. We'll definitely link to that in the show notes. Yeah. So now I'm just trying to find pockets of time where I can work. Um, I'm also doing private practice under a licensed psychologist Mm. so that, you know, I see the future of doing private practice and coaching and jewelry. And I don't know. I don't know. And how it all works together. I think what I love, because I remember um, when we met, uh, yeah, like, like this week, or it was last week or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I think the jewelry, like having a physical product tied to the work you're doing in therapy or the work you're doing in coaching, I think there's something about, yeah, like I said earlier, the like physical, tangible mm-hmm. item that, and and I think that there's a lot, there's actually a lot of businesses like coaches and entrepreneurs that I've, I've, um, I've been watching in this space as a way to diversify their businesses, basically, Mm -hmm. to have a version of a product, something that you could create that people could buy that is outside of just you as you as the deliverable, if you will, or as the service Mm -hmm. provider. So I think what you're doing is really smart, for sure, um, from from a like business strategy perspective. And I and then I think it's really going to help people. Because that reminder, like, even me, like, I'm wearing mine and being like, Oh, yeah, like my podcast means something like we just need to remember that sometimes. (laughs) And I yeah, Yeah. (laughs) and that's, that's actually how I got through the my I realized, you know, mm. I was reflecting. So my bracelet, I made one that says ganas and go, which is the coaching business mm-hmm. as a reminder of like, because the coaching is about ganas, you know, in Spanish, it, I guess it translates to desire. What mm-hmm. it, what are you wanting to do? And it reminds me of Edward James Olmos and stand and deliver. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And, you know, you have ganas, you know, mm-hmm. to, to do something. But oftentimes we just talk and we say, oh, mm. one day I will like that. That day that I sat down, oh, one day mm. I want to sell jewelry by the beach. And so what do you have ganas for? And then just go for it. Go. So if you're finishing your degree, if you're starting your business, mm-hmm. if you're changing careers and these. And so I remember I, I made myself a watch that and I, I stamped PhD on it. Mm. So anytime that I didn't want to write you know, I, I looked at it and I was like, oh yeah, that's the goal. The PhD, that's the goal. Mm -hmm. Keep writing. And so I want to do those bracelets for people wherever they're at Mm. and, you know, motivation and bringing joy to people and love and, you know, go do what you want to do, you know, follow your passion. It's okay. And yes, it's scary. And it's so rewarding Mm. on the other side. Uh, Yes. (laughs) I like, I'm like, okay, I need to do this. Like I have post-it notes of my income goal posted around my house. And there is um, a coach that I learned a lot. Well, I don't even know if I would call her a coach. That's a funny thing. I, I took her program that helps with finances and like managing mm-hmm. profit and all this other stuff. 
stuff I never <laughs> learned at all. Um, and yeah. so that's been a learning curve for me. But now I feel so much more empowered with my money, which w- has been that's probably, you know, my, my, in my years of business, the thing that has been one of the harder mindset things for me to get over. But she's like, you mm-hmm. know, I post my next goal like everywhere in my house. And I was like, oh, I kind of love that. Mm-hmm. Like I've done the whole yeah. like maybe I'll journal and like, oh, I'll write it on this wall. But she goes, no, no, no. Like I have 30 post-it notes and they're everywhere. They're on my computer. They're on the TV. <laughs> they're on the fridge. They're in the bathroom. And I did that. And I was like, it just reminds you because in our head, we c- in one moment, it can be like, oh my gosh, I look at a Facebook post. Why is she further along than me? I'm terrible. I don't want to do this anymore. And like, I could go Mm -hmm. through that whole sentence in the matter of like five seconds. And then, but then like, yeah, you have an amazing call with someone or someone's like, wow, this really changed me. And it's the big moments that you sadly forget. And it's the day-to-day head down keep going because that goal might seem far away that you just have Mm -hmm. to be like reminded. And so- Yes. I mean, I, I I think that's a huge part of us just uh, breaking through the fear, like you said, and the, yeah, how we can talk ourselves out of stuff. And I think academics, especially, <laughs> um, oh my I can, gosh. you know, yeah, I can explain <laughs> anything away that I would like to, you know, if I choose to and um, as to why I shouldn't do something or why I should. So, uh, oh yeah, those are our automatic negative mm-hmm. thoughts. You know, if we think of cognitive behavioral therapy, and, you know, we have those automatic yep. negative thoughts and all these fears and they overpower. And so, you know, for this new line that I'm developing is I needed a cue. I needed mm. a cue to remind me to write. I needed I need a cue to motivate me when I get home and I don't yep. I'm so tired. It's like, no, because my goal is financial mm. freedom. And so we'll have to swap uh, resources because I followed uh, Dave Ramsey yeah. and I'm following his get out of debt plan. And I thought about documented this process because um, I have this other thing called Cronicas of a Latina PhD mm. where I just kind of share, um, you know, thoughts and inspirations. Is it a blog and, or? And, you know, it's on my Facebook ah. that I started doing during graduate school and then it just stuck. Mm-hmm. And now I'm thinking of creating a yes. podcast, but I'm not sure. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just got an immediate Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so where we talk, we have this comp- like getting inside yeah. our head of those automatic negative mm-hmm. thoughts, those fears. Because there's been so many times that I've been afraid of publishing anything because I'm like, what if my colleague yeah. finds out? Oh yep. my god, what are you gonna say? And there's that shame yep. and you know guilt maybe. And I've been really into Brene yes. Brown also, yep. and you know the power of vulnerability. Yep. And yeah, so I don't she's know. She's gonna I've- be on this podcast one day, by the way. FYI. <laughs> I've mentioned that before. Oh, she's my homegirl. She doesn't she's know it yet, though. <laughs> she's my homegirl also. She's all over my dissertation. Um, and I just, well, yeah, oh, as wow. an academic who, yeah, made a, basically built a business out of a TED Talk, like, she's going to be on for sure. <laughs> she doesn't know it yet. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Let me know. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll sit in silence there. Just Right? Just I, you know, now as we're talking about these cues, dude, I should totally have my team make all the social media graphics for her as if she's been on already. So I can look at it and oh. be like, I have a podcast that Brene Brown is on. That's actually not a bad idea. So my team, as actually, you're listening, I, do that for me. <laughs> yeah. So I'm actually recording from WeWork. It's a co-working space. And there's a company here 
that I went to one of their trainings and they talked about that. Ah. So they got Mark Cuban and they got all these like people and donations. Um, so we can talk yeah, more about that. Let's that, continue this that that's a good strategy. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. And I think this idea of like acting as if that's already the case, like what would that mean? Right? Like how would I show up mm-hmm. and like how much more energy and effort, like what does a podcast look like with, uh, you know, these guests like this, there's actually a couple other guests um, that I have on my list that are uh, like, to me, feel more reachable. What's funny, mm-hmm. though, is I have a, you know, I'm going to probably reference this episode when she comes on, but so you'll be the episode. With her. Um, I'm like already planning it. Um, I have a colleague who is in her class who actually studied under oh. her and in, in, she got a PhD in social work. Also, I think I've mentioned her name to you before. I will also connect to you because she's a fellow Latina who uh, got her okay. PhD and is now doing the postdoc research life and it sucks and she's not happy Mm. um Mm -hmm. anyways uh but she studied under her and like took a class with her and I was like oh I kind of have this weird random connection to her like she's totally gonna be on (laughs) it's gonna be awesome (laughs) hey yeah make it happen I have a friend who's a sociologist she's up for tenure now and uh yeah she's been kicking ass you know we have our, our weekly chats and you know she's got a a book that she's publishing. It's coming out September 8th. Nice. And, you know, we, I was, you know, she's been through this process with me and mm-hmm. I was like, well, what's your dream? She's like, I want to be interviewed by Maria Hinojosa from Latino USA. I was like, done. It's happened. Done, for sure. <laughs> totally possible. Yeah. And that's, that's what I love about entrepreneurship is that mm-hmm. you can think about it and create it and go do it Mm -hmm. and go do it that there's nobody telling you, no, you can't Mm. do it. Oh, there's no funny, you know, you figure out a way you find a way. Yeah. yeah, And you break through that ceiling and, and the sky's the limit. There's no Mm. limit. Yeah. So on that note, cause that's such a great way to like end slash transition into like my, a typical closing question, which is like, what kind of advice would you give to someone who is, and I know you have this, you know, obviously we've talked a lot about your journey and where you're headed and stuff, but like, yeah, some of these turning points for you, maybe there's some advice that you have for a grad student who's struggling or someone who is debating starting a business that feels very scary. What would your advice be to that person? Uh, That's a really good question. Mm -hmm. So the word that came to mind was brave. Mm. So... After delving into Brene Brown's work on authenticity and bravery and courage, what I found that I was, that academia has a way of making you fearful Mm. of everything, like, don't do that, or, oh, Mm. what are people going to, you know? And what I had to do is, so I do this thing where I do a word of the year. Yes. And one year was brave. And regardless of what, I was feeling or thinking, right? So being, so mindfulness, I I love mindfulness and, Mm. um, you know, mindfulness-based cognitive behavioral therapy is awesome. So just being mindful of what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, how my body's responding. And despite all that, take action. So Mm. just be brave. And yes, it's scary. And yes, it's, you don't know what's on the other side and it's unknown. Mm -hmm. And yes, you may be critiqued and, who cares? This is your life. So mm. pursue your passion, you know, don't let fear name the fear. Um, and I think that's what happened too when we first started recording is, you know, I just kind of named the fear and then take a breath and just go for it. Mm. 
Um, and then find community, find, yes. find people that support you find, because I remember that moment also when I had thought about, I had come up with my own planner Mm. And I was so excited about it. And I sold a few copies. She has like program. 10 businesses, guys. I know, <laughs> She's right? She's a I know. entrepreneur. I love it. <laughs> I had no idea. And I sold a few copies. And I remember I told one of my professors and she's like, oh, well, nobody uses paper anymore. Everything's mm. digital. And I remember how crushing that was. And then I learned re- like a few years ago about Passion Planner and how this yep. girl from San Diego, like I have four of them. I was like, man, had I only not listened to her, yeah. like I'd be a millionaire. I don't know. Planners are so hot right now. <laughs> every year, they every are. December, Christmas, like yeah. everyone's negotiating which one to buy and people keep creating them. I think it doesn't like, cause yeah, what works for one person doesn't work for another. So exactly. There's so many different types. Yeah. So my best advice is, you know, surround yourself by people with an abundance mindset. Ooh. And people who are in scarcity mindset are not really going to help you move in the direction cough, that you want to go. Cough, academia. <laughs> <laughs> There's like uh, very little abundance over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. just name the fear and go through it. You mm-hmm. know, if you do what you love, you know, then think about quality of life and yeah. you want to be happy. We only have one body. We only have one life. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. So just push through the fear and be brave. Yeah. It's all about the legacy, man. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, this has been fantastic. So where can people find you as they learn about your work? We're definitely going to drop to a lot of your, uh, the websites you've mentioned, but we're hanging out right now on Facebook. Uh, so right now (laughs) it's social media. I'm I'm just like answering for you. Don't worry about it. (laughs) I know I'm getting better at it. So people can find me on LinkedIn on under my professional name, Araceli Lopez Arenas. And then right now I'm working on developing within the Facebook platform. Mm. So people can find me on sweet generis jewelry, S U I G E N E R I S jewelry. And then um, Ganas and Go, um, G-A-N-A-S and Go. Um, So I'm developing those two. I'm also on a friend's podcast, La Saludable Latina, uh, with my friend Lily. And so I need to get back on there and record some more episodes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you might have a new podcast coming out. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I might. I know. But again, it's so scary. But I've been afraid of going live, but I will be live more often. Well, here's one if I can give. Well, I'll just give advice because it's my show. I can do whatever I want. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, but even I think this show represents to me personally, I I actually love the idea of starting a podcast when you're launching a new business or a new like audience. And so for me, it, it this was an audience for me that it's like, oh, yeah. You know, what's going to happen with this? I don't really know. I'm unattached to the outcome, but I'm learning about people. And like, I want to create this community because I'm seeing what it's doing for people. And I'm seeing the like, you know, what it's doing for my guests, what it's doing for myself. I mean, I call it my own like self, like healing kind of process. Mm -hmm. But it's been it's been so great because I've learned about where academics are when they started their business, what they were thinking about. And I really Mm -hmm. do want to help academics have side incomes and even in grad students and and part-timers who aren't like who are in such you know precarious positions like in the economy it's like oh my gosh if I don't like 
tell them that this is possible. Like I, I feel like I have a responsibility. So a podcast around your topic and with your audience, I mean, you're basically building an audience, an organic audience who's listening to you and um, and trusting you and and seeing who you are as a person. You, it's there's something really personal. I know Pat talks about this a lot, like Pat Flynn, but mm-hmm. really personal about, about being in someone's ears while they're doing certain activities. And, and they say that it's a very powerful connection for people. Yes, video is important, but um, you know, there's something magical about this medium as well. So if that's any, you know, you might learn a lot about your about potential clients in the future, like uh, you know, young women that you can coach programs that you could create for them by interviewing them and and you, you know, building this audience or not even interviewing them, but just sharing your story and getting, you know, that audience to be listening, I think might not be a bad idea or starting point. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I've thought about interviewing people about how they finished, you know, mm, ooh, that and would be a cool. Yeah. Yeah. Because everybody's story is different. And yep you know, the commonality is that it sucks (laughs) (laughs) and people are so resilient and Mm, have amazing stories. And yeah, so that's, that's just fascinating to me. So, well, it's, yeah, so I'll take you up on it. Yeah. Especially (laughs) if you've been, you know, you're running a podcast with your friend too, and you've done it before. I think that even helps even more too. Yeah. And so I'm also starting by doing, you know, guest interviews. So Mm. I've been a guest on another podcast talking about grief and loss. Mm. And so this is also a trial. Um, Yeah. Well, if you liked listening to Dr. (laughs) Chelly, (laughs) she is open for conversations. Well, this has been super fun. This has been super fun. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And, and this, I'm sure, will not be the last time that, um, I don't know, we talk publicly about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anytime. Cool. Well, thank you for coming by. All right. Thanks for having me.